It's November 9th, 2020. This is Rook. Solidarity between sworn enemies. A well-known Israeli actress-singer-dancer has decided to explore and celebrate her Iranian roots. And now she's got a brand new album about to drop that is in Persian and recorded with musicians from inside Iran. Liraz Charhi is well-known for movies and TV shows in Israel and France and Hollywood. She currently stars in the Apple TV series Tehran. But Liraz has also been focused on identity through music and joins me to discuss new songs that are an homage to Iran. Iranian female singers of the past. Plus, the Rook team reconvenes, and Mona Kiani from Inglisi Farsi joins us from Melbourne with a proverb. I'm Gian Gomeshi. This is Rook. Hi there, welcome to episode number 60 of Rook. Hope you are in good spirits. We are on our ongoing mission to build a new audiovisual encyclopedia of Iranian diaspora identity coming to you on SoundCloud, Instagram, YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, and Telegram. <laughs> you can you can link to any and all of our platforms at the hub of all things Rook. That's our website, rookmedia.com. It's really all you need, rookmedia.com. Today, uh, I guess in a few moments, we have Liraz coming up. Uh, she, she has a really interesting story, folks. Uh, she is a well-known actress, singer, and performer in, in Israel. Uh, she is of Iranian background. And she has a new album coming out this Friday in Farsi called Zen, or Woman. Uh, so yes, an Israeli Jewish woman with a new album out in Persian called Zen. She has been on a journey to discover um, or rediscover, I suppose, her Persian roots. And this album is the latest stop on that journey. I, I really think uh, all you folks out there are gonna get, if you, if you don't already know Liraz, uh, you are going to find her very interesting. You're gonna find her, her story very interesting. And if you don't know her through her music, and she's got this growing fan base, both in Iran and in, in Israel, of course, she's well known as an actress and a singer, etc. cetera. Uh, if you don't know her through her music, you may know her because she plays a Mossad agent in Tehran, the series that is now on uh, Apple TV. Uh, so the plot thickens. Liraz is involved in all kinds of things to do with Iran and Israel and her identity. And uh, it's very exciting to have her on the show. She's joining us in a few moments. I know that you are a fan of her journey, at the very least, Groovy Shaya, yeah? Yes, yes. Actually, the first time I got to know her, I saw her with Rita, another uh, great Israeli and uh, with Persian root singer. And and Rita is her aunt, is Liraz's aunt. Did you know that? Uh, I, I knew that they have some relation, but yes. I didn't know. Oh, yes. ah, yes. wow. Okay, so they're... they're Their family, they're, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
And yeah, I, I saw Gole uh, Sangam version that they sang together, and I, I, I love both of them. A famous uh, Persian song yes. that uh, there, it's that song, you can find that on YouTube. Yeah, this, composed uh, by Anushiravan Rohani. That's right. All full circle, all of the group <laughs> yes. guests coming <laughs> yes. together. Uh, that's Groovy Shia, Shia from Dang Show, Shia the Great. He has a lot of names, and uh, or you. just Reza Shia also. Yes. Um, we've just heard uh, news this weekend. I, I want to mention this as well. Speaking of full circle with Rook programs, uh, Nasrin Sotudeh has been released. I mean, we know this because uh, we got a message from her to, to the general public. Um, thankfully, it was great to hear that she's she's been released from prison at least for now in Iran. It's always hard to tell exactly what this means. But of course, we had our special a couple of weeks ago, the case for Nasreen with a number of guests. We're going to talk about this more later in the show. Uh, you know, she's nowhere near free, but this was good news that she has at least been released temporarily for the sake of her health. Uh, we're sending wishes and hopes uh, the way of Iran for Nasrin Sotudeh, and uh, at the very least for her health to get better. We'll we'll talk more about that later in the show. Hi, fabulous Kion. Hi, Gian. How, How are, you? are you? I'm good. The fabulous Kion. You know, uh, I guess we got lots of reaction to our Iranians and the American election special. Yeah, we got a lot of mixed up. Uh, everyone angry. Everyone. <laughs> Why is Kion so right wing? Why is Gian a Biden apologist? Why did you book those guests? Clearly, the post Trump healing has begun yeah everybody you can't <laughs> everybody make is feeling happy. in a healing space yeah. uh, listen we're people we're not gormasabzi we can't make you all happy <laughs> <laughs> so yeah we'll get to those we'll get to the letters uh it's very you know i love that the rook audience proved the point of the show which was that iranians are polarized about the american election if you if you thought that iranians were all on one side of this thing or people of iranian descent we certainly know that's not true and uh uh, yeah, and, and and none of us appreciate being typecast. I know that you are not simply a Trump lover. Absolutely you know? not. Yeah. Someone went as far as to call me annoying. Well, they they have since deleted the the comments. They did. They did. Wow. Yeah. I was like, well, I've never yeah. not Shia, not Reza. That's like the nicest Keon. thing I've ever been called. <laughs> uh, by, by the way, not unrelated to this uh, election, we had a, a gathering at my. Um, my house, my backyard on the weekend, uh, just a, a small group of friends. We had bet on who was going to win the election, not necessarily who we wanted to win, but who we thought would win. And I had picked uh, Biden. And as it turns out, most of my friends in this group had picked Trump. So when it was clear that Biden had won, the prize was Persian pizza. Right, mm. so they come over with Persian pizza now, uh, Captain Reza. I mean, you know about this, and I, I think Groovy Shia does. But I think you hadn't had Persian pizza before, had you? I have. Oh, yeah. you have. I, have. Yeah. I, I hadn't. I mean, I'd, yeah. I, I think maybe once I'd heard, but I'd at least forgotten that the point of Persian pizza is. Oh, I think I know do, you, do you know where I'm going with this? I totally think I know. It, it, there's no it. tomato sauce. That's right. <laughs> right, right. It's pizza with, uh, like, I don't know what this decision was. Like, where the yeah. decision. What what authorities in in Tab Shiraz you know made the decision? You know the funny thing is most Persian stews. As someone who enjoys cooking Persian food, I will remind you, Kian, since you always yes, seem to forget yes, that I cook Persian. Food. Yes, uh, a lot of our stews are based in tomato. Mm -hmm. You know, yes. tomato. so but no, when it comes uh, to the pizza, the Persians have to do something different. We are using no tomato. <laughs> so what that means is. <laughs> 
you put ketchup. Ketchup on it. So the pizza arrives. There's like four boxes of pizza, and everybody's oh, pizza, Persian pizza, and and then there's this bag, and I open the bag, and the, a bag that's teeming with like piled with packages of ketchup, right? As if you've got, as if you just ordered a dozen, you know, large fries at Mickey D's at McDonald's, you know. So that, so and and I'm like, well, what are we? And then there's like a bunch of packages of like some white looking like a, as it's like tzatziki. Sosa marsus. I don't know why they call it this. Yeah, sosa marsus, which actually just turns out to be like Thousand lame, sauce. lame salad dressing. You know yeah. that you. It's like ranch. <laughs> exactly, yeah. ranch. So apparently, to, to our dear non-Persian friends, or to those of us in the diaspora who were not so naive about this, you basically you take your pizza and you cover the pizza in ketchup. Yeah, that's right. And then maybe some ranch dressing. I mean, what is happening here? Is it not delicious, though? Uh, it's once in a while, not you know, not as often. You as know what? The pizza. pizza was delicious, mm-hmm. but it also tasted like pizza with ketchup on it. Yeah. Still That's delicious. <laughs> <basically>. <laughs> I'm starving. And I so that, and and to Shia, yes. to you, this is normal, right? Of course, you put uh, ketchup yeah, on the it's pizza. It's normal that we put right, ketchup right. on pizza. So, so if you go to a pizza parlor uh-huh. in in Tehran, is there just like is there ketchup on the tables? Like oh yeah, big. <laughs> <laughs> For the most part, they even pour it on like without, without even they ask without asking you. They, they just put, put, they ketchup put ketchup on, on the pizza. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, it's it's a weird thing because the pizza was actually quite delicious without the tomato sauce and without the lame first of all generic ketchup of course right it wasn't like good ketchup it was like some the cheapest brand of ketchup this bag of cheap ketchup to and why why destroy the beautiful pizza with the ketchup but i like i can feel the audience around the world you have the persians going how did you not know of course we put in asile. we put the ketchup on the pizza and you know we invented pizza and, but uh, to me it was it it was a very strange experience. You liked it without the ketchup? I, I, first of all, the ranch dressing, I don't know what that, I don't know what, <laughs> why, why, you know? I, and I, I don't know that. I part. mean, maybe kare or something. Ew. You know? <laughs> No, I, I, I don't know, like a ranch dressing. Anyways, but the the, the pizza. No, I kind of got it. I got why you put it on because it needs a little extra tang. But I would uh, maybe I put hot sauce on or, mm. or something. Um, but it so it's it's Persian pizza. At least this Persian pizza, it's quite thick. Mm-hmm. It's like mm. deep dish. It's Layer. almost like a. It looks like quiche or something mm. but like uh um not the vacation spot Shia, but <laughs> and uh and and then and then you put ketchup on it anyway i mean that obviously is, is is obvious to everyone now as well i remember uh somebody i'd been dating before like once we had uh, uh we had ordered pizza and, and like a persian person and she and she had said uh, oh do you have ketchup and i was like well who is she's a weirdo what's this ketchup <laughs> thing? now it turns out i was the weirdo for not putting ketchup on the pizza actually in Tehran when we went to restaurant and uh, the waiter um, approached us and said oh do you want and we all said yes why not and they meant Arak, arak kishmish by sauce machsus. No, wait a second. Machsus means like special. special in this yeah. case, because alcohol is banned in Iran, so that guy was sending 
with he was speaking with codes. He's like, do you want sauce oh, and marsus? Do you want a little really? bit of alcohol? Illegal alcohol yeah. with your pizza? <laughs> when I used to go to Iran, the sauce and marsus was the white sauce. Yeah. And there was the big joke amongst me and my brothers. We're like, what is this special sauce? What are they doing back there? And <laughs> the, the ranch dressing? It's a white sauce. We're oh. like, what, what is this sauce and marsus? <laughs> yeah. I'm sure there's some, again, some chef, some... Uh, Persian pizzeria that's like how is he calling it ranch sauce this is important <laughs> but it tasted like I mean maybe it was just the place we got it from it's, it yeah. tasted like not very good salad dressing <laughs> yeah, yeah. right on top of uh, a really tasty pizza mm. yeah so um, listen I want to introduce someone who is going to help us out here we just talked about mahsus and, and these words come up and we grapple with them we wrestle with them uh it's no secret that we are fans of language and that part of our journey of discovery in the middle eastern diaspora and the iranian diaspora has been one of assessing addressing enjoying employing persian and english terms and translations well there is a woman named mona kiani kiani kian ah, not kian like yes who runs a cool Instagram page called Inglisi Farsi. Now she's based in Melbourne, Australia. And we've been in, uh, in touch with, uh, with uh, Mona, Melbourne Mona, uh, coming on uh, Rook and helping us out with some of our language, teaching us a little bit. So I think you've got her on the line, right, Shia? Yes. Melbourne Mona, are you there? Yes, hello. Hello. How are you? Welcome. <laughs> Hi, and, and how is everything in Australia? We're great. We're we're just coming out of lockdown, so we're feeling good. We're actually fantastic. Have you ever <laughs> had Persian pizza and did you put ketchup on it? Actually, I've never tried it. It's interesting you say there's no goja farangi on it and um, I've never I'm yet to I'm yet to taste this delicacy you speak of. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, buy a pizza. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then put ketchup on it. That's the delicacy. Um, Excellent. So, first of first and foremost, it's so great to have you on the program. Tell tell us why you started this um, this Instagram channel, this page called Inglisi Farsi. Well, it's interesting you ask because um, this journey started for me when I was um, six months pregnant with my firstborn son. Um, so I was actually never born in Iran. I was uh, I have Iranian parents, um, and I was born in Taiwan. Um, but they spoke to me in, in Persian and um, I guess when I was six months pregnant I realized I didn't have the necessary skills to pass on my heritage. <laughs> um, <laughs> so my, my journey really evolved um, as a result of motherhood. That's the short story of it. Um, and I developed a set of resources um, that use a transliteration system, um, which I like to term Finglisi, uh, <laughs> which is Farsi in English, which is something that I find useful because uh, my Persian wasn't very proficient. Um, and I grew up speaking Persian, but I was never able to read and write because, you know, as a teenager and as a youth, you kind of rebel against what your family wants you to do. Yep. Um, and I wasn't interested in learning Persian because I wanted to integrate into life in Australia. So um, fast forward, you know, to motherhood, and I realized that I really wanted to get back to my roots. And the the journey has done full circle here, where I've um, created uh, Persian resources for the Iranian diaspora, now, just like um, you're trying to create here. <laughs> right, right. And and, and this Inglisi Farsi uh, Instagram page is, is actually quite popular. Are you surprised by how popular it became, and who is the audience for it? It's amazing you say that because when I started, I didn't like there wasn't a great presence of like Iranian Australians or 
that I could see. Um, and my biggest audience is actually North America. Um, but I am meeting a lot of Iranians in Australia, actually, that um, are popping up around the place. Um, yeah, so it, it is surprising. I never expected it to grow to this level, but I feel like it's great connecting with everyone all over the world. Are, are the So is, is the audience Iranians or is it non-Iranians trying to learn Farsi, uh, Persian, or, or who, who do you think most of the people following you are? It's a mix. So it's those who are married to Iranians who want to learn the culture, who can't speak themselves. It's those who weren't born in Iran but have the heritage and, you know, can understand conversational Persian, um, um, like myself, second generation Iranians. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a good mix. Um, and it's also a lot of Iranians in Iran who want to learn English, which is so interesting because they're doing the flip side of, you know, learning the English words when I'm writing the Persian. So... It's, it's quite a wide variety. I have to say, this is a microcosm of my dream for this show, which is uh, for, for, for somebody to uh, be teaching us, those of us of Iranian descent in North America, uh, Persian proverbs from Australia, via Australia, <laughs> uh, someone who was born in Taiwan. This is perfect. So, um, so you're going to help us out with, with words and proverbs. Uh, uh, so I'm told, yes. I'm told you're, you're going to kick us off this week with a, with a proverb of the week for the Rook team and for our audience. So how do you do this? What, yeah. are, you, what are you going to tell us? Well, um, I guess maybe we'll start with the word this week um, that you might might or might not be familiar with. And then um, if you guess the word, and then we can go into the sentence and um, move it from there. What do you think okay, about that? Okay, sure. Yeah. Why don't you start um, with so me and Keon because we probably won't guess the word. We'll try. But yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sure you're proficient. Um, so the word is Gauz. Do you know what Gauz means? Gauz? Yes. Uh, gas? Ga like gauze? No, not. Gauze, huh? Gas, gauze. right? Gas? No. Like, no. Gauze is like an animal. <laughs> it's an animal. <laughs> it's an an okay, oh. Captain Reza's laughing. So, ca Captain yeah. Reza, what is a gauze? So. Gauze. I mean, actually, actually, my dad used to call a guy down the street who was uh, a bit of an annoying guy and had a long neck. So is it like an ostrich or something? So what is our national uh, animal in Canada? Moose. The, the beaver. Moose. No. Loony. Oh, the, uh, the, 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 the loon. It's goose. The goose. Oh, the goose. a goose. Okay. That's right. Goose. All right. Yeah. Gauze, goose. That's, that would seem obvious. Yeah. Who, knew? Uh, Who knew? Yeah, well, it's a new word for me, too. So, gauze means goose. So, okay. um, the proverb of the week is actually morge hamsoye gauze. So, can you guess what that means? That doesn't sound nice, whatever it is. <laughs> the, 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 the chicken of the, the, chicken of the, the, of the neighbor is a goose. Is a goose. Making, yeah. saying they're ridiculous? No, 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 no. They're saying that, they're saying that the chi if the chicken is a goose, <laughs> if the chicken is a goose, it means it. that it means that it's a uh, your the grass is always green. It means that that you're, you you want what the neighbor has. Is that right? Ding ding ding. Melbourne yes, Mona. Wow. All right. Yes, Did you know this? Uh, okay. <laughs> say let's say it again. The more more chibud. More hamsoye kaze. So apparently, the chicken of the the chicken of the neighbor is a goose. I'm gonna call my Shajan. You know this saying, obviously. Yes, yes, yes. Is a very simple one. Is a very basic. No, not actually. No, it's good. Shai, can you use it in a in a sentence for me? Yes, Reza's desk is much bigger and better than mine. But it's the same actually. But 
مرغ همسایه Well, well it actually comes from um, a Latin poet called Ovid um, who wrote The Art of Love, but it wasn't the grass is greener. It actually had the meaning of the harvest is always richer in another man's field, which is obviously, you know, the relative terms of back in the day where they didn't really have, um, you know, flocks of chickens and goose. So they um, discussed it as a harvest, which is interesting. Um, and I actually had a rook saying for the rook version or the rook uh, adaptation of this saying, which I thought was pretty funny. From a few weeks back, you were discussing some Lubio Polo escapades, <laughs> yes. I believe. Yes. Um, so I wanted to say maybe the rook version could be the Kotleta Hamsoye Lubio Polo. That was amazing. <laughs> so Shaya's Lubia Polo will always be greener because that's you right, didn't get any Man, I like Lubia Polo. I'm going to pump it. Goosebump. Uh, yeah, so all right, Morgan Morgan our challenge will be to use that throughout the week, right. Keon, in our okay. daily life. You go to the grocery store, you know <laughs> They won't understand parts of like more the, the ketchup for your pizza costs a little much. You say to the person, I'm sorry, what sir? <laughs> Nothing. Forget it. It's my new saying. Uh um, Mona, that's fantastic. Uh, we will be in touch again. Melbourne, Mona, the the uh, the Instagram page is Inglisi Farsi. Inglisi Farsi will, of course, put a link to that on our social platforms. And um, it's been great to talk to you. Well, get ready for a new proverb for us next week, okay? Sounds great. Lovely to meet you all in um, this podcast land. <laughs> Thank you, Mona. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. Mona Kiani with uh, the Englishy Farsi Instagram page and Morgaham Sayyazi. Very, very useful information. I, I will absolutely <laughs> apply that in my life. I'm going to call my mom tonight and tell her that. <laughs> All right. We have many angry letters to get to. But on the other hand, mm-hmm, it's so right. I'm just applying it for no reason to everything. Uh, so we'll get to those in a little bit. The fabulous Keon, Captain Reza, Groovy Shia, Melbourne Mona. Mona, thank you again. Let's get to our guest. If I were to tell you. Some of the most infectious Persian pop music being made this year, replete with Farsi singing and 6-8 grooves, is being made by a Sephardic Jewish-Israeli actress and singer who lives and records in Israel. Well, take a listen to this. Yes, from her brand new album, Zan, Persian for Woman. That is Liraz Charhi with a taste of the single Bia Bia. Uh, it's uh, ear candy for those who love Persian melodies and great voices. And the person at the center of it has quite a story. Liraz is a popular actress, singer, and dancer who takes inspiration from the music of pre-revolutionary Iran, in particular the likes of female greats like Ramesh and Gugush. 
Liraz was born in Ramla, Israel, to a Jewish family of Iranian descent. She began singing and performing at the age of five, made her musical debut in 2004, and also began a film career around the same time with the movie Turn Left at the End of the World. She gained attention with a nomination by the Israeli Film Academy for that film. She was invited to the Israel Film Festival in Los Angeles in 2006, and after that, she broke into Hollywood. Liraz Chorhi has since become known for her roles in the French TV miniseries Revivre and the film's Fair Game and a Late Quartet, in which she played the jogger and flamenco dancing girlfriend of Philip Seymour Hoffman. More recently, you may have seen Liraz in the brand new popular espionage TV series Tehran, where she stars as Yael Kodosh, an Israeli Mossad agent. As a musical artist, Liraz has gained a following in Israel and has a growing fan base in Iran. Owing to mutual animosities, of course, between Iran and Israel, Liraz can neither visit Iran nor can the Iranian musicians who work with her travel to Israel. Cut off from the home of both her parents as well as her self-proclaimed spiritual and artistic home, Liraz has made it her mission to bring cultures, sounds, and peoples together. Her new album, Zen, comes out at the end of this week on Friday. But first, right now, Liraz Charhi joins me from Tel Aviv, Israel. Hello. Hello. How are you? <laughs> what a pleasure it is to have you on the program. Thank you for doing this. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm very excited uh, to be hosted by you. You know, I, I know there are so many periods as an artist where you're just working on your creativity or you're shooting scenes or you're recording a record. Right now, Liraz, you have an album coming out later this week, a hit series playing uh, around <laughs> the world with Tehran, a lot of international media attention. It must feel like it's all suddenly coming together for you, huh? It's all coming together. It's the same lady in different roles um, speaking about her very, very uh, complex emotions about Israel and Iran. Yes. So, listen, there are no doubt many people who know who you are, especially in the Middle East, or those who've seen you in films and TV. Um, by the way, A Late Quartet has always been one of my favorite films. It's a remarkable film. Thank uh, you. But we are also probably introducing you to a whole new swath of folks around the world. A few days ago on Instagram, you wrote, Secret is my name. My parents mm. gave me that name, Liraz, my secret, because Raz means a secret, both in Farsi and Hebrew. Always wondered why? Now I have the answer. <laughs> that that sounds somewhat cryptic. What can you tell us about that post? Um, I can say that I always uh, felt that I'm wondering how is it to be Iranian in, in Iran. I grew up to both parents who left uh, Iran and moved to Israel when they were teenagers. It was before the revolution. And I actually grew up uh, like two... Uh, like I had two personalities. One of them is Iranian and the second is, is Israeli. And each time I had to go from, from my own home to school, I felt I'm switching countries. And I've been always asking myself, who the hell am I? And I try to find my identity in every piece of Iran that I, I, I actually didn't have because unfortunately we cannot visit Iran. Um, and I started to feel that I'm uh, having this hole in my heart 
that I'm trying to fill, but I don't have a, a clue how to do it. I heard so many beautiful stories about Iran, about the culture, the weather, the food, the people. And each time I opened the television, I watched a very, very difficult and different and complex Tehran with extreme Islam and regime and people are trying to um, fight over their freedom. Especially I took very, very, um, you know, um, I was very curious about the muted ladies, the, the muted women in Iran that are not allowed uh, to sing for the last 42 years since the revolution. Yes. And I started to dig in this uh, Iranian culture uh, in Los Angeles. Uh, that was the point I decided to sing in Farsi. Let me get to that. Let me get to that. First of all, let me say this notion of dual mm -hmm. identity or confused identity um, infects mm -hmm. many of us around the diaspora. That's part of the point of this show is that we have this co connective tissue because we're all a little confused about, mm -hmm. you know, we have this umbilical cord to Iran, but we, we are also identified with the country, like I, in my case, Canada or your case, Israel, that we're, we've grown up in. Um, how aware of being Iranian were you when you were growing up as a Jewish kid in Israel? Um, I was very aware most of the time until I was like teenagers I was very shy about it I did not want my parents to speak to me in Farsi in front of my neighbors or my friends I did not want it to be different I, I struggled to be Israeli because this is what I, I saw at home both very young uh, parents who's, who's struggling to be Israeli in, in a country that is very young, so I was very confused. Um, but, but when I grew up, I understood that I, I, I really want to be in the arts and I needed to go back and to explore my roots and my heritage uh, because I wanna, I wanna go forward and I, and I wanna grow. Was it a very traditional family? Yes, from outside you could watch like a very liberal family, we're not religious, but something, you know, without even speaking about it, the DNA, my, my blood is Iranian, um, being good girl with good manners, uh, obeying, I say obeying in a good way, like having this feminine uh, uh, behavior, coquettish manners of Iranian uh, little girl and uh, and uh, growing up i understood from time to time that it's a force it's even super force and sometimes i could be you know i could laugh about it sometimes i get mad about it and i started to understand that i need to break my own walls to get what i want uh, in my own home for example, I wanted to sing, I wanted to dance, I wanted to play the piano. It took me a while to make my parents understand, especially to my dad, that this is what I'm doing. It's not a <laughs> right. hobbit. I'm in the right. arts. Right. And it was uh, very clear to me that I need to start my own private revolution um, just to become the person that I want to, to be, the, the woman that I want to be in this world. 
and I have lots of great uh, women characters in my in my family and I watched and explored each one of them breaking her own wall at, at her own time. I should say one of you them know. is is your Aunt yes. Rita, who is a, a well-known singer and actress yes. also in Israel. Uh, I know you two are close. Did, did having her as some kind of role model affect your choices in life? Definitely, definitely. First of all, she's the most uh, lovable, successful singer in Israel. Um, uh, she's the best and I remember when I watched her uh, growing and uh, um, developing her personality and her career I understood that my dream can be accomplished because it's it's possible in, even inside this family and, and breaking these walls she could do it and I can do it I mean she gave me a lot of inspiration and hope Definitely. Let's hear a little bit of you and Rita performing live. You know, um, you said before I leave this notion of dual identity, or actually I probably won't leave it because it'll pervade this whole interview because it's who you are. But but you said something interesting in an interview where you said um, you said you had you, you had two characters when you were growing up. This being the Iranian and Israeli. Yes. And and I actually thought, um, I mean, on the face of it, I get that. That's part of the whole dual identity kind of nature. But I thought it was an interesting way to put it. Two characters. It almost sounds like you could be or you were two different people. Um, would you see yourself that way? Like there's the, the little Iranian Liraz and then there's the little Israeli Liraz? Definitely. I, you know, I agreed with myself in a very young age that uh, I'm a very layered character and uh, I have complex issues in my life. Uh, from one hand, I'm determined and from the other one, I'm very fragile, um, and I have to improve myself in a very masculine world. I understood that I have to take uh, um, advantage of it because most of the time until I was a teenager, I was apologizing about this, you know, like, oh, yes, uh, my background is Iranian, but I'm Israeli. I tried to neglect, you know, my, my, my heritage and to, and to leave it behind me. Um, but as I mentioned, the hole in my heart just got bigger and bigger, and it was it was a very bad feeling, um, uh, you know, being and acting like foreign in the country that I was born. I mean, it was too too crazy for me to grow up like that. Did, did, um, did the other kids uh, ever take issue with you being Iranian? Were you ever discriminated against or did you have problems like you get into fights or... or, or of course, I had a time that, um, you know, <laughs> there was a team that uh, find out that, you know, this is my, this is my fragile uh, issue. And they laughed about uh, the fact that I'm Iranian and that my eyebrows are, are too thick and that I look darker than them. And um, I was, you know, I was strange. My look was strange. 
I didn't know that it's special. I thought that I'm, you know, that I'm not okay, that I'm not special. I have to tell you that the minute I understood that I don't have to apologize mm. my background and my very layered uh, personality, um, the minute that I stopped apologizing and and I stopped choosing sides, I'm not, I mean, I'm not Iranian and, and I'm not Israeli. I'm Iranian and I'm Israeli. Yes. I'm both. The minute I, I excused myself, I can say, my heart opened and this hole got uh, little and and I fulfilled it with my heritage and my personality. And it's the first time I understood that a human being and um, nevertheless, you know, uh, uh, an artist has to be in his truth always to create and and to develop. I mean, the minute I released myself, from this feeling of being foreign or to choose any side, I I understand that everything that I want will happen to me, and and it did. I love that. I love that you um, found that place of release, and I love that you're now actualizing it too in the work that you do. It makes the story so gratifying. I want to get to that <laughs> before I do. So you're so you're this kid growing up who loves the arts you you're you want to get into theater you love music um you end up enlisting in the israeli army i'm guessing because you know you have to when you're in in israel you you're in the israeli yes. defense forces um yes. serving as a soldier in the education corps military band was it ever straight i don't know anything about being in the army i you know what, what was it ever strange to be in the army for israel knowing your lineage and that iran is the stated enemy country did that ever enter into it for you um i had this big dream uh, to to be in the um like a spy in the army and to to go to Tehran you know I had this like crazy uh, <laughs> <laughs> crazy dream but um, I understood that I'm not going to the to this uh, kind of uh, serving because I really wanted to sing um, but for your question definitely um, I've never understood that Iran is our enemies you know I cannot say that we're enemies country. I don't believe in that saying because I don't know politics. I don't care about politics. All I care about is my heritage and and the fact that I cannot visit Iran gave me the strength to explore her more and to know more about it. And you know, my relation today with, with my Iranian fellows and, and with Iran is bigger than any politics or any mm. circumstances. I but mean, the amazing part of that is your discovery, as you, as you alluded to a few minutes ago in this interview, your your awakening around being Iranian partly happened in in L.A. of all places. <laughs> you went to the states, and so you become yes. this you become this well known actress in Israel. Um, and then, but you say you really discovered your Iranian roots when you moved to LA in 2006. I mean, it sounds oxymoronic. How did you discover yes. Iran <laughs> in America? Tell us. Um, first of all, I had a lot of fun to do back and forth, you know, Tel Aviv and Los Angeles. I found out that I have lots of family that I didn't knew before. So I felt like Iranian in Iranian neighborhood in, in Los Angeles. And second, um, 
you know, going from audition to audition, it's pretty much boring. You can go inside a room with a hundred beautiful actors, maybe much more talented than, than me, and you just have to wait in line and, and do your hair and makeup and go on high heels. It's not me. It's really not me. And then I found out that Los Angeles is actually Tehranjelis. <laughs> I found out that there are a million Iranian people in Los Angeles, not as an expression, really a million yes. people, yeah. Iranian people in in this Tehranjelis. So I was like, oh, what is going on? I started to walk in the Iranian neighborhoods and people approached to me and speak to me in Farsi. It was they were sure I'm I'm you know from her their neighborhood. And I said, oh my God, never never happened to me that someone approached and speak to me in Farsi, ever. So I started to call my agents and tell them, okay, I'm not going today to the, to the auditions because I found out this beautiful neighborhood and like and they like, okay, Liraz, okay, we understand. <laughs> um, and the best part in these beautiful neighborhoods. Uh, a part of you know the the good foods. Finally, I eat the non-kosher Iranian food with uh, you know with uh, every magic they can do inside their food, like with rice with butter and like lots of. Um, Wait a second. Wait, 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 wait a second. Wait, 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 wait a second. So in Israel, there's obviously there's got to be Persian food, but it's kosher. It's kosher. So you can't get non-kosher uh, Persian food in in Israel? Mm-mm, no. Oh. No, I didn't even knew how it how it tastes. You know, it's it, it's it's never. I never imagined that it could be so tasty. I mean, the Iranian food is the best. Not because I'm Iranian, it is the best. But suddenly <laughs> you eat it with butter and with like, oh my god, I I. I yeah, I gained a, a couple of, of uh, <laughs> right, you right. know. <laughs> right, you hung out at the Kababis. And, yeah, yeah, definitely. So, so, but this is, I mean, you make a joke of it, but but it's quite a decision because you decide to then that you want to make music, you want to sing in Farsi, a decision that mm-hmm. un- undoubtedly confounds mm-hmm. your agents who are, are busy building you this successful yeah. acting career. Yeah. Um, how difficult a decision was that? It was uh, it was a process, you know. I in this neighborhood, I'm, I founded lots lots of beautiful music shops, and I got uh, so many uh, overload, uh, uh, overweight suitcases with vinyls and CDs of the music of the seventies, Iranian seventies, and um, I remember that the street corner that I was standing on, and I understood that I need to sing, and I actually felt like a baby is falling inside my arms and asking me to sing her in Farsi. Hmm. <laughs> I was pretty much shocked. And I said to myself, no way this is happening to me. It's like, it's like the feeling that you're falling in love with the wrong person. Hmm. I said, no, no, not him. Not him, no, no, no. <laughs> Everyone else, but not him. I said, I, I sing in every language, but not in Farsi. No, it's not happening to me. But it did. And I understood that it's not about me. It's about this baby that shows me that I will be the pipe and I will be the one to tell and to sing about my heritage and the Iranian stories of my family. I understood that it's like a mission that I've got. Um, And 
after I, I um, collected lots of uh, um, Iranian 70s music, I understood that I chose uh, the pre-revolution songs of beautiful singers, idols, women, which I recognized a very thick layer of sassiness and courage on their voices. Yes, you weren't just inspired by Iranian music, but in particular, the voices of female singers from Iran, especially in that pre-revolutionary period. Yes. They, they inspired you, they moved you. What, what Can you put into words what it is about the voices of female singers of that era of Iran that so inspired yes. you? Yes, of course, I understood everything afterwards. It was a process. When I asked myself, why did I chose these ladies? First of all, um, these ladies did not stop singing after the revolution. They just moved to other countries to continue their, their beautiful career, like Gugush, Haide, Mahasti. They had a beautiful careers, and, and they did not stop singing. So I found it very powerful. They were like Wonder Woman to me, you know? And second, I loved the music because I understood that most of the people who wrote the music in the 70s um, left Iran to study music in, in Europe and they got back to Iran and they brought to the music uh, a mix of layers of, of European and, and uh, Iranian sounds. So I felt that I'm connected to this music because it's pretty much my story of, of my layers. I mean, you could hear the music layers and, and fall in love with this because, you know, the playlist of my family was pretty much uh, going repetitively, you know, in weddings and parties. It was the same songs and I had enough about it. I mean, it, it, it was okay. How how many times you can dance to Oi, Anar, Anar, I mean, okay. And I said, okay, it's nice, it's beautiful, but... I wanted more, and finally I found this beautiful layered uh, music and productions and instruments. Um, so this really catched me, catched my heart, and I, I understood that I'm going to release the first album with this music, but with my layers. I wanted to find a producer to put uh, uh, electronic beats to make it like electro 70s pop um, it took me um, many years to find out the person and of course to stop my ongoing career here in Israel and to tell everybody that I'm going to sing in Farsi most of them told me oh you're doing a big mistake because it's the niche and you have a mainstream career yes. that's going very well yes and the minute I've heard the word niche, I said, yes, I want to be in, in this niche. <laughs> I want to do a niche music. That's amazing. And this is what I want to do. You've never been worried when somebody, uh, an agent or a professional in the, in the business or something says, you're going to ruin your career, kid. What are you doing? You know, don't, don't, don't run in this path. We can make you a big star. That doesn't intimidate you. That doesn't scare you. That doesn't of worry course, you. Of uh, course. First of all, I had it all, I had it all here in Israel. And I had a very good start in Hollywood, but I cannot even explain how determined I was. I worked very hard for like five, six years because I knew that I'm going to stop doing what I'm doing just to sing in Farsi and to tell my story. 
so and that I have enough money to you know to record and to travel the world and to and to meet great musicians and you know to be inside this like to build my own new bubble um, and I needed to change my team the one that believed in me stayed with me and the one that did not I had to to make this um, breakout you know um, but it was all for good um, uh, thank God and the minute I gave birth to my um, my oldest daughter I have two daughters I understood, okay, that's enough. I cannot imagine that I'm going back to my old life. I need to sing. I need to produce this album ASAP. And the minute I've decided, everything happened. I found my team and my producer and um, a great team who actually understood how to tell my story outside I was sure that I will open, you know, a, a concert and very, very small amount of people will come. I wasn't sure that they will take this Iranian side very good. But I, I was very surprised to, to understand that they love the music, mm. despite the fact that they don't understand a word in Farsi. Well, all of this is actually a great setup for talking about your new album because mm -hmm. it's not just that the album I think sounds great. It's it's that the making of it is uh, quite a remarkable story. The lengths you go to in order to make it and to do it with Iranian musicians inside Iran. Um, you've said making uh, of making this album, you said, I want to quote you, technically it was very difficult, but emotionally it was much more difficult. I felt night after night that I was doing a bad thing and that these people could be arrested. Yes. Um, what exactly did you worry might happen and why was it so important for you nonetheless to go ahead with this? Um, the minute I released uh, the first Iranian album, Naz, I got so many... Uh, great friends from Iran, followers, that was, you know, very excited about the fact that Israeli singer, a woman, can sing freely in Farsi in Israel. And I'm posting, like, uh, videos from shows in Tel Aviv that people are dancing to Iranian songs, and they were saying, was this creature? <laughs> Who are you? We want to know more. Continue singing. You are singing our freedom because we, women here, are not allowed to sing. And um, I felt it's like my therapy to, to sing for them. <laughs> understood that um, I'm growing my next dream which is to write an album with Iranian artists from Iran and I started to post on Instagram that I'm looking to work with musicians and with specific players with specific instruments and I got so many great opportunities to meet beautiful people really 
and I built my team and I have a very, very, uh, he's like my, my brother from another mother, uh, um, Iranian musician. I understood that it might be a problem because I felt this danger that sometimes they're hesitating to be in touch with me and they're, uh, we have the time for recording, recording and they disappear. And I felt like I'm starting to be in this roller coast. Uh, it was in and out and in and out and they disappeared and they got back and they wanted to bring me a song and then they wanted to take the song back. And they wanted me to take the song, but they did not want to be in the credits. So many uh, emotional things. Um, but Liraz, you you clearly, I mean, you've lived in or you've spent a lot of time in L.A. I mean, you mm -hmm. could have worked with Iranian musicians who live in the diaspora. Um, or even, you know, as we've heard that there's Armenian <laughs> musicians who play Iranian music. You know, you could have found all kinds of ways to. Um, why, why was it so important that they be in Iran? Because first, obviously it was important for them, too. They wanted to do this. You know, I mean, you ended up making this record. And I'm curious yes. uh, uh, what the conversations were. Because every time we, we asked ourselves, why the hell are we doing what we're doing if we're afraid? Um, the answer was the same, and act, and believe me, we asked these questions twice a day. Like, oh my God, are we doing the good, the right thing? Why am I choosing to dream this dream? I could have recorded this album everywhere in the world. Why am I doing it like this? The answer was because we love each other. You know, Iran loves Israel, and Israel loves Iran. And there are lots of people from Iran and Israel that are in touch. Mm. And we have this bridge to be in, in touch and in love with our arts. I mean, it's a big, big, you know, message and a big, big uh, therapy to, to each side, you know. They were curious about me and I was curious about them. And after one session of like a Baglama player who's playing of one on one of my songs uh, that I was like mesmerized and shocked about how beautiful he plays. I said, okay, I, I cannot, I cannot be there, but it, it can happen. It's different. I worked with the beautiful, amazing players from Istanbul and in Israel we have great musicians but they do not have the same layers that I have, the mm. emotional layers. They are complex as myself. Their characters are very layers, and they have this passion to, to know me and in and, and the opposite. So suddenly, to bring this in the arts, it's crazy. It's like um, we, were, we were on high, you know? We were yeah. so happy to yeah. do it. Uh, despite the fact that we were very afraid, but we felt we're doing the right thing. And of course, we wanted to keep the sound of the tracks um, very underground, uh, the same way that we recorded them. And and in the time that you've been making music, that your first album, Nas, and this, mm -hmm. this one, Zan, have you encountered any trouble? Have you ever had uh, authorities in Iran, you know, uh, approach some of the people you're working with or, or create any issues? Um, 
you are not going to believe to my answer. I had two very bad messages on my Instagram page. That's that's it. That's it. Well, I'm very happy to hear that. And I'm also happy to hear that when you talk about... um you know, wanting to create that that connection between the and or expose that love between uh, Iranians and Israelis. I mean, even if it doesn't happen at the political level with the leaders, etc. You know, I was wondering. I mean, you've kind of been thrown into this place, whether you like it or not, and it's of your own doing in terms of wanting to pursue this career. But of being a kind of ambassador, you know, uh, I, I was doing the research on you and. You posted a version of uh, Aga Yeruz, the famous uh, Farmaz Aslani song, back in 2014. And I was going through the comments, and I read comments like, love, 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 this is the true history of Israelis and Persians. <laughs> this is somebody writing from, like, Iran or something, you know. And I thought, this is this is amazing. Like, people are seeing you as some kind of avatar to bring these cultures, these peoples together. Are you, is that part of your intent, to address the history or the um, the interaction of Israelis and Persians? Um, I think that back in my heart, maybe, but I, I didn't really thought when I started to sing in Farsi, it was actually, I, as I mentioned, it was like a, a mission. I just wanted to sing my pain out. And when I, uh, decided to record Zan, I started to write about, uh, the muted ladies, about the fact that we can actually, raise our voices, raise our heads, and sing uh, for our freedom to rejoice, to dance, to laugh. I mean, this is the only thing we can do. The only thing I could do is to sing. I mean, this is what I know. <laughs> and um, I did not know that I will get so much love and support. Um, you know, I always said, where is the hole? If, if there is a hole somewhere, and you are talking about it, people will try to fulfill it, you know, mm. to, to make it one big thing. Um, so I really felt that without saying anything, just releasing the first song, Age Yeruz, it was the first experience of me go going inside the studio with an amazing oud player. And I released it and I said, okay, this is my first thing that I can do just to release it. I, did, I cannot imagine that Faramaz Aslani will write me a personal message on Facebook after a couple of months. بباد میگم تاسو بخونه بخونه از دیار یاری چرا میری تنها میزاری Everything is a surprise even now when I'm talking to you when I'm listening to you I'm literally with te with tears in my eyes because this is so important for me to tell the story that we cannot forget where we came from. I mean, we're always looking for the truth, but the truth is inside us, inside our hearts, inside our layers. We're always trying to, to be something else, to, to get new in something, but 
sometimes we have to feel like we're old souls to get to know us better. You know, I was always, uh, I thought that I will, one day I will find my, my superhero, my Wonder Woman, and I will understand something from her. But of course I have my two grandmothers and my mother and, and lots of great women in my family, but I found out that each one of us is the this Wonder Woman, you know? I, we don't have to look around, it's inside ourselves. And when I think about it, it makes me feel full of hope for my daughters as well, for their future, uh, for more positive future, just to keep doing what I'm doing and, and to sing my heritage and uh, to send my love to, to Iran that I'm longing so much and I don't even know. You know, you're, the, the emotions you're feeling, you have, I'm sure, you have no idea how much I relate to those emotions. Uh, it's, it's, it's actually the reason why I started this, this program. And um, that journey of discovery of, of, our, of our background, uh, especially in the context of um, all that's happened over the last you know, half a century to do with Iran and Iranians, um, and the confusion that is sown from that. It is, it is so important. And I, so I, I, I completely understand. I, I don't totally, I can't put myself in the position of, uh, of wanting to be Wonder Woman because because it's I'm I'm not capable <laughs> the way you are, but uh, but uh, for all the rest of what you said, it, it means so much. You have also been developing this following in Iran, in Iran. You know, you have fans there who I'm guessing you hear from on social media. Um, tell tell me what that means to you. Getting so much uh, um, love and attention from from Iranian uh, people is. Uh, is is a thing that I'm still getting used to it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm getting excited from every comment. I mean, sometimes I can find myself wake up until four or five in the morning writing to each one of them uh, uh, a message back. Um, I live inside Google Translate because I cannot read Farsi, so <laughs> I'm copy pasting every comment, or I'm I'm you know taking a a pic to my and sending it to my mom, and she translated to me. It's very important for me to read every comment and to to get to know them better because one day I will meet them. I can say secretly here that I met some of them during my tours in Europe. They made me surprised and met and, and, and brought uh, themselves and their friends to, uh, to my concerts. There is a great story when I was in Roskilde um, Festival in Denmark, and that was a great show. Normally in Israel I speak about um, my heritage um, during the show, but in in tours I'm speaking like two minutes and that's enough. Most of my show is like a big Iranian crazy party when people are starting to dance like hmm. like like crazy, which is so good to see them like that. It's wow, it's very powerful. So uh, I think it was the encore when I saw someone with a big flag is flag is approaching uh, uh, the front row. And he's coming toward me, and I said, okay, Liraz, this is the moment that some of the people will uh, protest and will put a Palestine flag in your face 
what am I doing? What am I doing? Should I continue singing? Should I smile? What should I do? I was asking myself so many questions. <laughs> and suddenly I see this guy is bringing up a big flag of Iran and waving and smiling and rejoicing. And I said, what is going on here? I felt like I want to leave everything and I want to, you know, I want to smash him from love. And of course, I've met him afterwards at the backstage. And wow, this was a big moment for me, hmm. understanding that it's worth, it's so worth it to leave an ongoing career and to leave the, 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 the mainstream and to stop shooting films for, for a couple of years and, and TV series and theater and to, uh, you know, uh, having babies and uh, pumping for milk uh, when I'm <laughs> on tours and on, on airplanes and, you know, so many sacrificing. My husband that didn't to, needed to work so many years so hard that I could, you know, doing, do what I'm doing. Yeah. It's all worth it because uh, it's all about love and we don't need anything. You know, countries can, can be enemies, but we don't care about it. We love each other. Liraz, on the cover of Zen, of this new album mm -hmm. record, uh, you're wearing a rusari. You have the headscarf. Tell me about that. Yeah. Tell me why. <laughs> uh, when I started the connection with the Iranian ladies, I, first of all, I, I've noticed that they're very, very high class fashion. I got so many um, underground videos of them dancing to my music in underground parties, taking off their rusari and wearing Versace and Dolce Gabbana, and they're very like neat and and stylish. Yes. So I've watched them. Um, you know, the way that they are dressing and the way that they are behaving with uh, Rusari, I fell in love with it. Um, I felt it like from one hand, I wanted to say, just take it off because you have a beautiful hair and face. And from the other hand, I said, okay, but scarves can be so beautiful. It's like a fashion. And I remember that on one of my tours, I've been asking my designer that I've been working with to um, to uh, design me uh, rusari uh, with this from the same fabric that uh, I I wear my I wear his designs like I I was wearing an overall, and I remember that I put it on my head um, when I started to sing the first song when I got on stage, and. I felt that suddenly at the second uh, song, I'm peeling off this scarf and I started to dance with the scarf. Yeah. And um, I'm following this extremely uh, mesmerizing ladies who are singing in trains, taking off their scarf and protesting for their freedom. So I, I could identify with them and tell their stories on my shows and and suddenly I felt that because I identify with them and I, I recognize with them, I, I want to be with this scarf uh, in my shooting, in my music videos and on stage. I, fe I feel when I'm wearing it that I'm a part of them, you know? 
You know, I, I am so enjoying speaking to you, and I'm so grateful for the time that you're giving us. I, I, I must, before I let you go, ask you about this role of yours in the hit Apple TV series Tehran. Um, mm-hmm. I, I've got to say, it's quite an addictive series. I binge-watched it at uh, the first <laughs> season. I think there's going to be a second season. Uh, yeah. I, I understand you partly got this role because because of your Persian background. Um, but again, I mean, just like the story of your life, and the story, mm-hmm. there's all kinds yeah. of interesting contradictions. I mean, you play a Mossad agent, um, yeah. and you also, but you also speak Farsi in, in it at times. Uh, what did you have to learn to pull this role off? And, and tell me about the decision to be part of Tehran. Um, first of all, um, I really love your your questions for sure. <laughs> I'm enjoying this interview very much. So thank you for that. Um, you know, the part of Tehran was like um, a part of my heart. It was very clear to me that Yael Kadosh, this uh, Mossad agent, Tamar supervisor and commander, is very, very similar to me. She's also has a complex feeling about Iran and Israel. She needs to choose which which side is she's is she and she got um, to uh, Israel from Tehran when she was teenagers. It's like the background of my parents. She's longing to Iran. Um, she's growing up and she's trying to improve herself uh, in a very masculine world. And she's uprooted like me. Um, lots of um, points and and uh, you know baselines in her characters that's very similar to my life. So I felt that it's very very natural for me to play El Kadosh, um, and I had this biggest dream to be a spy, as I mentioned at the first uh, right, right. <laughs> at our first conversation. So I felt that emotionally. I can really rule my my role, you know, um, and I I really loved the way it was written and uh, and this intimate stories uh, behind the scenes of the big issues of these two complex countries yes. of Iran and Israel. You, you can't travel to Iran, obviously, but the series does quite a remarkable job of. Uh, it's shot in Athens, from what I understand, mm-hmm. and and uh, I have friends uh, who who go to Iran or go to Tehran quite regularly who've said that parts of this series look amazingly like it's in Tehran. You know that it was shot Definitely. there. What what was it like shooting in an ersatz kind of Iran, surrounded by? I think there was a lot of there was a fair number of Iranian actors on this too. So you almost like you're in a de facto kind of Iran, but in Athens. What yeah. was that like for you? It was crazy. And suddenly I could actually hug uh, the Iranian actors and and work with them. Um, and of course, they most of them were, uh, you know, afraid too, because they took this understanding and decision to work in an Israeli production which means that they cannot visit Iran anymore. It's a big, big decision for them. So we felt like a big family. Um, the funny thing is that we thought the Farsi language will be like, you know, very easy easy for all of us. But apparently, you know, we understand we all speak a different dialect and we needed to <laughs> work on 
one dialect in, in this TV series. So we actually broke our teeth and it was so hard for all of us to, or each one of us to, to work on the Farsi and the Farsi language. Um, it was crazy. We didn't have the cl a clue that we were going to deal with this Farsi uh, um, dialect. And of course, we, we, we didn't really understood that our emotions are going to be so crazy about meeting each other and um, participating with each other. Has your mom watched it? Of course. What does she say about your Farsi? <laughs> she says that I'm, she's very surprised. She was very surprised, you know, because of the role and because of my Farsi. And, you know, we don't speak Farsi at home with this language of Mossad agents about right, right. bombs and, and electric things. And, you know, <laughs> it's a different, it's a whole different language. So she's, she was very surprised. She said, oh, I don't know this world. I don't know this this sentence. I do not understand. I said, "Oh, so I know more than you." That's funny. Liras, how do you de how do you deal with being in a series that for some people is controversial or comes under some criticism? I mean, it's been hugely successful, but um, you know, uh, and on the one hand, Tehran is is admirable and bold in that it's an Israeli production that offers viewers actually somewhat sympathetic view of of Iran and Iranians. On the other hand, some people say it comes off suggesting that Iran is a place full of bad guys and that the Israeli position is ultimately the just one. There's a review in mm -hmm. Variety magazine that said, and I want to quote it, says, Tehran doesn't exclude Iranians entirely, but does frame them as allies or obstacles of a Mossad mission depicted uncritically and somewhat blankly mm -hmm. as the work of justice. Are these do you worry about these kind of criticisms or that you're somehow involved in something that undermines uh, the way Iranians are seen? Um, from the comments that I got when uh, my Iranian followers understood that I'm going to play a Mossad agent, they told me, oh, we thought you love us, Iranian people. You're going to uh, participate in a, in a Mossad role. Right. Uh, I don't think it's nice, but the minute they watched the whole uh, show, they understood that the stories is not about the complex issues of Iran and Israel. The story is the stories about us, very simple people behind the scenes, um, that we are all human, that we're all having uh, problems. And um, we're all uprooted, and we 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 do not have to choose side. We're just normal people. And the minute that they watched the show, you know, this criticism was was off. It wasn't the issue. You know, when when you read a, a critics in, on Variety and and on other uh, newspapers, it's okay. It's okay, but. You know, at the end of the day, it's a show. It's it's art. I mean, anyone can say anything about it. It's okay. Are you surprised, or did you have a sense that this would be as successful as it is? It's kind of it's become this hit show, from what I understand, around the world now. Yes, definitely. I, I'm not surprised because I really felt that we're we are working on a very special thing. Um, I know that the writers and producers uh, have been working on this TV series for six years, and um, and I heard so many good things about uh, the 
the people who created this this show and we felt we all felt that some we're doing something good special uh, as much as i did my album i felt that i'm doing something good with a message and um even if it's for my own daughters you know i i do something that that is telling the stories from from another angle not the not the things that we watch in on television you know like extreme regime and and um and people are having tough life i mean there are normal like me and you you know so i think we we understood very quick that we're doing something very special my parents gave me that name liraz my secret i always wondered why now i have the answer i i love how uh, I, I'm so inspired by uh, the, the positive place you've gotten to and the work that you do. And I thank you so much for the time. I want to go thank out on so on this song called Inja, uh, Inja yes. from your new album that comes out later this week. What can you tell us about Inja? Inja is a song about um, uh, like world crisis and, and emotional private crisis of a couple who's trying to struggle to this crazy reality. I actually wrote it before the COVID came and it's very actual actual for now. And um, the meaning of this song in the bottom line is to remember that we're living here and now, uh, trying to forget about our future and about our past. Being uh, polite and um, excuse each other in any crisis we have and stick to each other with a lot a lot of freedom of being who we really want and need to be here and now in job i hope your um your your husband your kids your workload uh, your your life will allow you to uh tour in a post-covid period and and come to north america and around the world with your music we'd love to see you perform live here too i wish it will happen so fast because so many shows got canceled because of this covid but i'm sure we will see each other very soon and i hope that everyone that hears this beautiful interview will come to one of my show and dance with lots of nas and dust. <laughs> Thank you so much for this today, Lilas. Take care of yourself. Be safe. Merci. Chodafes. Singer, actress, dancer, Liraz, her new album, Zan, comes out Friday. Liraz joined us from Tel Aviv, Israel today. I love that. A version of the Rook theme done by Toronto-based Santour player Sina Batai. Uh, he, he's great what he does. He does a he, he kind of does new style Santour in a fusion sort of way. His last album was called Ray of Hope. Came out in 2017. Check him out. Hopefully you can actually see him live when, you know, COVID ends in the next uh, few decades. Sina Batai and his Santour version of the... Uh, the Rook theme there. Um, 
the Rook team has gathered back around, Captain Reza Gurishaya and uh, the fabulous Keon. Uh, wow, Lee Dawes, she, um, uh, I, I love how open she was in that interview. I'm very, I was, that was a lot of fun to do. She is very clearly on this journey about discovering her identity. Um, it was weird to me that she was saying Iran, which is I've had a campaign for about 30 years of my life to tell people like it's Iran, not Iran. And, you know, the only people who say Iran are like, uh, you know, anti-Iranian uh, uh, certain Republicans in the States or whatever, you know, former George Bush sycophants. But but uh, here was a... Mm. <laughs> I mean, even Netanyahu says Iran, so I'm not sure why uh, Oz, but I, it was very charming otherwise, her accent, her, her way of speaking. Um, your impressions, the fabulous Keon. I'm always so fascinated by anybody that has that duality of being Israeli and Iranian, because the media basically is promoting us to be against each other, but that's simply not the case. And you see someone that's Israeli-Iranian who embraces her Iranianness when she's kind of taught not to um, not to embrace that? So it's uh, it's nice to see her um, rediscovering her roots and embracing it. And I, I love the fact that she sings songs in Iranian. That's really beautiful. I, and the passion and excitement for what she's doing. You know, my experience has been, of course, in the diaspora. I don't know what it's like inside Iran, but most Israelis that I've ever met not only have it's not just that they have an affection for Iranians in a lot of cases they really seem to understand Iranians mm -hmm. in a way that people say North America don't you yeah. know and and that was true I mean that's obviously true of Liraz because she is Iranian but but uh, yeah those stereotypes the non insider person who would just like a non-Iranian non-Israeli who would just like look from the outside I, I guess would assume that you know we're running around as sworn enemies but mm -hmm. um, but that the, there's there's actually such warmth you know you we have so much in common cuisine language even so how how can we hate them if what's the cuisine we have in common uh, like the hummus. <laughs> yeah. oh, no, the, you know what? It, oh, the flavors, God. the flavors, the uh -huh. few times the that spices. I've had Israeli. Yeah, the yeah. spices we use are very yeah. similar and they love Iranian food. So. That's right. And yeah. yeah, and I, I, I love uh, some of the food that comes out of Israel. So, um, uh, Captain Reza, did you have anything to say about Liraz? Uh, when you say Iranian diaspora and Iranian community is uh, outside of Iran is always North America, Australia, and Europe. You never think of the fact that there is a huge population of Iranian community in Israel, and that's part of the diaspora as well. And it kind of had a- Or in the uh, Arab uh, world. Or in the Arab in, world, In, yeah, in, in Iraq or Syria yeah. or India. That, or you know, Kuwait. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Who will speak for Kuwait? Oh, I will. Yeah, we, have a, we have a little there's Iwan girl, <laughs> Des Moines girl. Who, no, I who can would. say for a fact, there's a lot of Iranian Kuwaitis in Kuwait. Mm -hmm. So you're, you were fascinated that there was an Iranian yeah, in Israel. I had Israel. a bit of an epiphany. <laughs> like, it started to cry. No, I'm joking. But uh, yeah, it's, it, was, it, was, uh, it was interesting. And she, um, her, what I found funny was that she's, her mom told her after watching Tehran that, ah, I don't even, I don't understand some of this Farsi stuff that you're speaking <laughs> now. So your Farsi must be better than mine. Her Farsi, uh, having watched Tehran, having binge watched, yeah. as I said, Tehran, um, her Farsi is an interesting i mean i'm I, i'm not one to talk in terms of my own lahje but uh, but it's an interesting version of farsi that she speaks on on the series right chaya 
Yes, actually, I also sometimes I didn't understand what she says on this series. <laughs> I, 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 no, I, I read subtitle and it says in Farsi, but I was like, okay. <laughs> but you, well, if you watch it on Apple TV, you can see the English translation of yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, I'm so grateful that you came on the show. I'm so interested to get to hear reaction from folks if, uh, and, and to see how her album does. And I love the idea that she gets these notes from uh, young Iranians in Iran yes. uh, of, of love, you know, of loving what she's doing. Uh, a big thanks to Liraz for coming on. Okay. Quick so, question. Yeah. Navid Negahwan is also on Tehran, correct? He is in Tehran, He's the in series. Tehran. Yeah, yeah. I, st I have yet to watch it, but I've heard great things. I really it's, uh, it's very interesting. You should watch it and yeah. then give your opinion. Yeah, yeah. Listen, there's issues with it. You know, yeah. it's not perfect. And it's not even always, you know, perfect in terms of being, being riveting television. Like, I wouldn't say it's up there with, you know, Sopranos or something that I... Mm. But... Um, it's it's it is very engaging. Like I I couldn't, you know. Once you start, you're in. Uh, I, and I think that's what I've heard pretty universally. Like it's uh, it's binge worthy. Yeah. I like its music as well. Yeah. It has yeah. It's not per, it has a kind of Israeli Arabic taste. Yes. Music. It's not yes. Persian, but I like it. Yeah, yeah. I like it too. I like it too. It's so the theme song is actually quite good. Maybe we can get Sina Batai to do a Santour oh, version yeah. of the theme song. Uh, all right, is it time for letters? Actually, um, before we get to letters, I was going to ask about this. Uh, we mentioned that last week we had, uh, uh, or a couple weeks ago, we did the special with regards to Nasrin Setudeh, and we would be remiss if we didn't mention the latest on her, and I want to make sure it's the latest, latest, latest that we know. So, uh, Captain Reza, what, what can you tell us? So, uh, there is apparently, I'm looking at uh, The Guardian right now, there has been, um, Nasrin has been uh, granted temporary uh, temporarily release uh, so that she can go to the hospital and get treatment because her health is, um, she's not in good condition. Uh, it doesn't mean it, it's, it doesn't mean freedom whatsoever, but uh, it's good news to say the least. Yeah. So that's from a couple of days ago. Is that the yeah. latest? There's no that change the in that. There yeah. hasn't been any yeah. updates ever since. But well, um, we uh, encourage folks to listen to our our, our episode on her and um, featuring um, all kinds of folks who know her and uh, know her case very well in Iran. And of course, a message from her husband, Reza Khandan, who in fact, in that message was saying, uh, we're hoping to get her at least a temporary release for the sake of her health. So uh, that happened, We, you know, but uh, we have to hope that um, I mean, who knows what's happening with the, yeah. the Nasrin situation? It was, it was funny because uh, uh, um, a friend of mine uh, texted me all excited. She's been freed. She's been freed. And then, you know, when I looked it up on the weekend, um, I looked it up and saw that the, she's been released yeah. for the sake of health for a little bit. So um, I guess we'll see. You know, some people say that Iran uses some of these uh, political or uh, human rights activists as a as a bargaining chip to negotiate with U.S. over different deals and stuff sure. like that. So who knows if uh, if if um, being Biden being elected for president right now and they want to uh, open reopen negotiations for the um, nuclear deal and stuff like that. If what's going to happen? I can hear there's at least. A thousand different opinions yeah. on what you just said, yeah. <laughs> which is the perfect segue to letters. Yay. 
Okay, so last week on episode 59, we had an entire show dedicated to the Iranians and the U.S. elections. We had internationally recognized author and academic Dr. Mehzad Burujerdi, as well as broadcaster and political analyst Reza Goharzad to have a discussion on the subject. And to say the very least, uh, the comments alone should just go to show how divided the Iranian diaspora is on the subject. Yeah. So let me just also start. Also the diaspora. Is the diaspora. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that word alone Both has a of lot of... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Can't even get past the <laughs> word. It's controversial. Yeah, yeah. But uh, to be correct, it is diaspora. Okay. <clears throat> All right. On YouTube, we have a username Ross... Uh, last name Ver. I don't know what the, there's no full name listed. So this he or she said the biggest change Biden can make is a more clear cut and less vague JCPOA deal. Iran and Zarif need to budge a little to make things work. I understand they wanted no part of any deal with Trump, but if they want to move forward and continue to have a relationship with the USA, they will need to update the JCPOA deal. Yep. So, and, oh, and remember how last week I uh, brought up some old letters from the Maz Jobrani episode, and uh, they weren't particularly positive letters. They were basic, a lot of people were criticizing him for his political views and saying, um, you're a comedian and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a, uh, Matty Bish says, I believe Keon wrote the comment criticizing Maz. <laughs> and let me assure you, I did not. Mm -hmm. That was just comments your, that came in. Your uh, naked anti Maz <laughs> Jabrani campaign is, <laughs> no, has I, been found out. To be clear, I love him as a comedian yes. and actor, but uh, don't necessarily agree with his political views, which is fine, because <laughs> yeah. I don't agree with you, Gian, sometimes, but we're yeah. still friends. Yeah. Look at that. All you right. don't agree with my acting and comedy. You agree <laughs> with my political views. <laughs> no, the opposite. <laughs> cool. Moving on to Instagram, we have Afshin Sihakali wrote, thanks for your rather tasty intro at the beginning of the program about Lubia Mm -hmm. And excellent reviews and reflections by your invited guests regarding the U.S. election. Great job and keep up the good work. Really? That's the letter? That was a very positive it letter. It was. All right. But I'm... Letter of the day. <laughs> Let's just quit while we're at <laughs> Oh, we're just getting started, Gian. All right. Cool. Next up, we have Sadaf Dargahi wrote, The Libya, Lubia Polo story is so funny. I usually listen to Rook while I'm running, and this discussion cracked me up. And Kion John, Trump truly wasn't a good person for being president. He knew COVID was going to hit the US, but he didn't even care because he didn't know better. If your mom says, Kion, go inject Lysol to be safe from COVID, you would think she was making a joke. But this clown said it in front of scientists as a suggestion. This is only one of the millions of things he said over the past four years, which were all nonsense. Well, oh. uh, well, Biden also doesn't that was make a, a that, that was a letter that I wrote as Sadaf Dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, one could argue that you wrote that. Listen, there's Very nicely said. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, the, look, the, uh, the people who were because you you've said yourself you you don't love Trump the No, guy, I don't you know, love him as a personal. person, but, but uh, and, and and you know, this is not for me too. It's it's not a the idea is everybody wants everybody's rushing to put everybody in, a, in an ideological box mm -hmm. um, and is it possible to refuse that like is it possible to say I, I don't just reflexively like and dislike people based on being right wing or left wing mm -hmm. I happen to think the travel ban was a horrible thing and I happen to think the bungling of the COVID the pandemic has been a terrible thing for America it, he could be 
green, left, right, you know, blue, red, whatever stripe politically. And I would have said, this is a bungling of the, the pandemic. And I, and I would have said, I, I hate the travel ban. Um, that doesn't that doesn't necessarily mean I need to be put in a box, does it? No, I don't think so. And I, right. I hope people don't put me in a box. Well, and you're actually more uh, <laughs> right I had, Listen, we, we vote, we vote, we vote, <laughs> or if we had the option to, we vote based on our ourselves and our families situation right. and um, I have several reasons why I would have voted Trump even though I'm American I, I very well could have I just I chose not to because right. I don't live there oh you could have voted I could have yes oh. but I chose not to because let's face it you I, could have made the difference for your buddy <laughs> well, Trump you could have <laughs> uh, listen John oh, it's a little rigged wasn't it but, oh, okay. <laughs> all right let's all not right, touch yeah, that yeah, let's yeah, not go yeah. there <laughs> anyway um, one other reason is because I have a lot of family in the US as well and uh, the bulk of them are in Minnesota, and that's a Democratic state. And based on what I've seen, how that Democratic state is ran, it's um, it wasn't to my liking or uh -huh. there. So anyway, moving uh, on, yeah. moving on. Let's not uh, go Thank any you. further. <laughs> and then we have Naz Khan on Instagram wrote, I like how CNN's Don Lemon dissected the single issue voters. Many people who declared they didn't like Trump's personality, but voted for him because of a particular single issue, mainly the economy. Don Lemon said you cannot separate Trump's personality, his racist, misogynist rhetoric, and what he stands for from any single issue you like about his performance. When you vote for him, you are supporting, supporting the whole package of Trump. And as a human being, he fails pretty much on every level. All right, that's an opinion. Yeah, well, well, the the single issue that Nas Khan is referring to the fact that um, uh, both Mersa Burjardi and Reza Gohar talked about how Iranians, in a lot of cases, are are uh, in some cases at least are single issue voters. Uh, the ones who are supporting Trump are doing so because they believe he's the best answer for regime change. The ones who aren't supporting are believe it's the best answer for the return to the JCPOA, whatever. Um, and they were both appealing to the idea that Iranian Americans, given that they're both Iranian Americans, should be looking at a broader set of criterion for who they vote for. But like Cuban Americans in in Miami voting for Trump. Uh, there's a lot of there've been a lot of single issue voters. So that's who uh, I guess what Nas is talking about there. And uh, um, interesting position. Yeah. I, Don Lemon says a lot of things. Yeah. And then taking the other end of that debate, we have Atifid Tabish. She wrote, "Well, Gian, first of all, I like you." Your interviews. Uh oh. <laughs> it's off to a good start. You can already I, tell. I sense it. things are going to turn. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Your interviews and your voice are outstanding. I will keep listening because I enjoy the show a lot. But this show on the U.S. elections and the conversations disappointed me a lot. I'm not a U.S. citizen, so I don't have any opinion. But to be fair, you and most of all other medias were biased, and that's okay on a personal level, but not on a journalistic level. Journalists cannot take sides and have to report the truth. I didn't hear anything about the transparency of votes ghost voters, and so on. All your opinions were the reflection of CNN and CBC. No new material there for eager listeners like me. And please don't call names. Calling someone a Trumpist is so unfair. I strongly believe that modern citizens are slaves of the media. I want the truth. I love Rook. Kudos to Kion to raise her voice in this cruel time. And kudos to all of the Rook team. 
thank you so much for that letter, Atefe. Thank you for your support of Rook and for that was a very balanced, nice letter. I, I, I disagree that there was no new information. I think we did a whole program on how divided the Iranian diaspora is. I'm not sure uh, in English media who's doing that. Where, where was that show on CNN or CBC? I don't know. Um, and uh, but you know, I, I get your point. I mean, I'm, look, my commitment here is to try and bring in as many different voices as possible on this program within reason but this is not a news program you know i mean this is not bbc persian or cbc they exist you can go to them and you can blame them for if there's imbalance uh, i'm not a traditional journalist here i'm the host of a program that is um uh, by its nature uh, you know elastic in terms of what we do here and i will have opinions i always have i did for years on in the other programs i did i i'll, I'll continue to it doesn't mean i won't try to be fair I think you know that, actually, if you've been listening to this program. But if I think the incarceration of Nasreen Sotoudeh is a travesty, I'm going to say it. If I think Ali Azimi is an awesome songwriter, I'm going to come out and say it. And if I think the Muslim ban, or the travel ban, as I called it earlier, generously, it's actually, he called it the Muslim ban, on Iranians, uh, was outrageous, I'm, I'm going to say that. I totally, totally respect the right of... Uh, folks to disagree and I'll always be interested in hearing their voices as well including yours so um, but uh, I'm gonna have opinions sometimes you know yeah that's unacceptable I'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so when was it last week we posted a video on Instagram catching Shia June in the <laughs> act of yet again finishing all the office Lubia Polo <laughs> so a few people wrote about the continued that continued <laughs> vacuuming of the Lubia Polo wherever it is by Shia all right, so we have Bahar, last name HGH, on Facebook wrote, Jian Jun, how could you claim Shaya's Lubia Polo, which was basically meant for him only? We all know that you have the privilege of having a Tabriz Imam. Firstly, she lives here, and secondly, she cooks for you with that awesome Tabrizi Das Pocht. And that's documented in one of the episodes where you talked about having some Maman Paz Khorosht Kadu in the fridge, which obviously you never shared. I gather that Shaya's parents are not here. <laughs> so for any homemade food that comes around, Shaya is the first to have whatever he wants, and then you come second. Sorry, but that's only fair. That's actually a very logical <laughs> argument. Uh, however, I think if Shaya's parents are, were to make him food, I wouldn't necessarily claim it, and he can't claim my mother's food. But this was Reza's girlfriend, yes. <laughs> who's sort of neutral territory, Switzerland on this, right? And the Lubia Polo should be democratically meted out amongst the citizens of Rook. Cool. And then we also have a Ajang Zandnia on Instagram road. Let's mark this day as National Lubia Polo Day in calendars. <laughs> and every year, cook and share our Lubia Polo with our fellow co-workers in memory of all the Rook victims from this unpleasant event. Yes. That's a good idea. Uh, yes. <laughs> all right. Bob, uh, moving on. So last week, Jian John, or June, I should say, outed me on the fact that I have a new loved in love interest who just happens to be a doctor. Jian, of course, made it seem like I only date doctors and go out hunting for them, basically. No, no, no. <laughs> let, me, let, let me be clear. He doesn't happen to be a doctor. The only description of him that you've ever given anyone is that he's a doctor. We, know, we knew nothing else about him. Well, what else, I'm seeing what else the doctor. The doctor is taking me out. I went to the ballet with the doctor. 
doctor my hurt my knee the doctor was there so i mean you know if he if you had said i i was with the the guy who enjoys playing football i was i was with my friend who's a fan of the west wing we would have had some other descriptions of him i basically we just know him as a doctor i didn't want to say his name basically what does he look like is he bald is he tall i don't know gian what does he look like i met him on the weekend i did i met him amidst the uh pizza with uh, ketchup on it the, listen the, the way this man lathers the ketchup on the pizza is like a surgeon he is like a wait he is a surgeon no it's a uh, no he, he was very nice i liked him a lot he was uh, i thought he was uh most importantly and, uh, just, uh, and he was you know he seemed to care about young Keon that I liked that um, just a great guy in general yes. uh, on Facebook we have a Kamal last name MSV wrote it seems Keon is proud of her doctor good for you Keon your mom is probably proud too Maman میگه اگر خودت دکتر نشدی تلاش کن با یه مرد دکتر ازدواج کن translation he's basically saying your mom probably says if you can't become a doctor yourself marry a doctor oh look at that it's time for letter of the day sound of three people clapping (laughs) me too and a fourth person (laughs) riveting (laughs) a few days ago can i talk can we get some audience no shia yes shia jun um sound effect begiri Oh, okay. Well, okay yeah. yeah, you should find like a crowd yes. sound. <laughs> so that, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so oh, that it just sure, doesn't sound like sure, me sure. and uh, Captain Reza yeah. and a couple of the happy to be yeah. put out of our misery. Yeah, so like, <laughs> some of the t- trained seals just like. <laughs> <laughs> After letters of the day, I want to explain Khushmashrab, the origin of Khushmashrab. So I said Khushmashrab. That's not a word, no, right? No, it's Khushmashrab. Khushmashrab. Mashrab came from wine. Uh-huh. And Khushmashrab means you can have wine with, with that them. guy oh. and have a. Are you still going to explain it after the letter of the day, or is that no, you just I did just it? <laughs> All right, thank you. <laughs> All right, letter of the day. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. All right. All right, Chob, okay. a few days ago, we posted a Rook Minute on Instagram from episode eight of Rook, which featured an interview with actress and model Mondana Karimi. I love that episode, by the way. She was very Rook about her difficult journey of becoming an actress, despite coming from an extremely religious back, uh, family back home in Iran. She's so. now a Bollywood star yeah, in she Mumbai. Is. Uh, so in that specific Rook Minute we posted uh, was part of the part where you asked her um, what message she has for the people back in Iran. Mm. And uh, she ba- her answer was basically, I'm paraphrasing, she believed uh, the people need to have unity and never give up because this isn't the time to give up. Khob, on Instagram, we have a, speaking of doctors, we have a Dr. Samira Talebi. Mm. She's a geneticist in Iran. Um, yes. In Iran. Yeah, in Iran. Okay. Uh, she says, Mandana Jan, I, I think many Iranian girls like me are different from you. We live in love with our home and in love with our dear parents. Despite the problems, we have stayed in Iran. We will remain strong and strive for the honor of our dear Iran. Mm. Beautifully written. So that's Dr. Samira uh, in in Iran, yeah. writing to say, you know, not all of us have left, and not all of us, uh, 
That's great. That's mm-hmm. a great letter. I mean, that's it, it's it's great to hear a voice from inside Iran yeah. pushing back on what uh, Mondana had to say. That's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you so much, Dr. Samira Talabi, for the letter there. Thanks to all of you guys out there who've been writing to us uh, with all your different opinions. We appreciate them all, even when you're disagreeing with us. That's part of the that's the name of the game. In fact, thank you so much for all of that. Thanks, Captain Reza, Groovy Shia, Fabulous Keon. See you guys on Thursday. This is full time for Rook for today. Hey, hang on. We were going to go out on some Liraz. Oh, yeah. You got that set up? Because I want to I want to go out on some music by Liraz from her brand new album, yes. Zan. We're going to play a song called Inja. Get that ready, Shia. Uh, our website is rookmedia.com. That's the hub of all things Rook. If you want to link to all of our platforms, please subscribe if you've not done already on any, on all of our platforms. Just subscribe everywhere so we can let you know what's, what's happening with Rook. We really appreciate that. Thanks to the amazing team who put this show together. Producer Susan Ponta, the artist, Thoughtful Nagin, the fabulous Keon, Savvy Roham, Alhaya Merdad, English Muhammad, Captain Reza, and Groovy Shaya. Thank you to all of you out there supporting us and sharing our content. Again, please subscribe if you haven't done so already. You can find me on Instagram at Gian Gomeshi. Mizumbashi. Mizumbashi.